I've, I've, I've added my matchbooks, so, you know. So I'm, You're ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to go. That's right. So we're doing this a day early, gang. Hello, 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 hello. A dollar short. Right. <laughs> At least that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it is Monday, the 20th of November, and this is On Taking Pictures, episode 291. For those of you keeping track, 291. Uh, Bill Wadman is in Brooklyn. Say hello, Bill. Hello, Bill. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Sidoris, I'm here in Silver Spring. Um, and it's, uh, it's a few days before we're, we're traveling and people are getting together for family things and eating too much. And I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff. Yeah, we almost have too much stuff, but let's see what we can get through. We always uh, almost have too much. Hey, you know, I, I pulled out of the closet yesterday because I was searching for something else and I came upon my Nexus tablet from 2013, my Nexus 7, the, the second Seven? generation yeah, sure. Nexus 7. Yep. And I haven't used it in a couple of years. So I plugged it in and charged it up and updated all the software and everything. And I was just playing around with it earlier. And I, I still don't get tablets. I don't like, I don't like browsing the web on them. I don't like doing email on them. Oh, see, I do. Just I a love weird them. form factor. Ugh. Yeah. Just, In fact, give me a phone maybe or give go, me a keyboard on a computer. Go to maxstories.net okay. and read read Vitici's article on on using uh, an iPad as his primary computer. Yeah, he's crazy about that stuff. Yeah. He's like- I, uh, I think it's pretty cool. And Apple said that they are, or I don't, actually, it wasn't Apple. It was uh, one of the, uh, was it Ming? What's that guy's name? Ming Chi you know, Kuo? Something like that. The guy yeah. that does the, he's pretty accurate on his rumors. Yep. He's saying that they're going to release a quad core uh, iPad next year. Oh, I'm not surprised. Well, there's six cores in the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 8. Yeah. So, I, you know, I went and looked at the iPhone 10 in person. Oh, I, I haven't played with it. What do you think? I I don't like it. I really don't. It's, it's, the forehead it's very or what? slick. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, the, the chrome, the, like the bright chrome just feels gaudy. Okay. It just feels, you know, like everything in the line is space gray or, right. or matte black or. It feels like the first iPhone had a, had yeah. A really and then they've come chrome. out with this thing that's, I don't know. Did you see know. that uh, Federico, his phone knocked off the end table next to his bed and cracked the back already? Ugh, I don't doubt it. Hundreds of dollars. I don't doubt it. Repair. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. I'm not a big fan of the whole idea of wireless charging. I can plug my phone in. It's okay. I don't need to like line it up on a bunch of pads I have plugged in everywhere. Like, I can plug in my phone. Well, I I mean- Especially I, if that means I have to have a glass back that's going to break. <laughs> well, and you can't use it. I mean, right. I like I will, my, my phone lasts all day. My, my 6S lasts all day. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, check the weather for the next day or I'll, you know, catch up on a few things before going to sleep and I'll have it plugged in so I can use it while it's charging. If I, if I, if I got the phone that I would either have to still plug it in, right. in which case I'm not getting the benefit of wireless charging, or I would have to sit it on the pad and then I'm not getting the benefit of being able to use it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I have no interest. 
I mean, the screen, okay, screen's beautiful, sure, fine. Yeah. I'll wait till um, next year, see what they come out with. Yeah, the, the camera is splitting hairs better, okay, fine. Right. I don't know. I hate so, when people split hairs, man. It's a tough thing. <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of not talking about photography. Yeah. Uh, did you see the, 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 the Tesla 18 wheeler and the, and the roadster? Uh, the, the, the fact that the roadster is supposed to go from zero to 16, what 1.9 or 1. 1.9 seconds? seconds. How is that possible? And it's go done You're at 60 miles an yeah. hour. Yeah. Zero me? to hundred and four point two. Are you kidding yeah. me? That's, That's insane. Nuts. Yeah. So for those of you who didn't hear, uh, Tesla released, two new vehicles, uh, a, a semi-truck, the 18-wheeler, uh, that goes from zero to 60 with an 80,000-pound load in 20 seconds, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. It's all about the um, torque. And uh, it, it comes with autopilot. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Now, it, I, the red one looks suspiciously like the Iron Man face mask. And what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it, but I, I just, I, you know, I'm questioning, of course it was intentional or was it intentional? I don't right. know. Anyway. Yeah. And then the Roadster is now the, uh, well, when it goes into production, it will be the fastest production car on the planet. 250 miles per hour, $250,000. What I find impressive is the fact that you pronounce it with a Z almost, Tesla. Tesla? That's what you've As said opposed, twice. Is it, is it Tesla? Tesla? Is it Tesla or Tesla? I think Tesla. Is it with an S? Yes. Okay, so Tesla. I was just wondering if, if that was a geographic thing or something. I don't know. What would, is, what would it be? Nic- would Nikolai Nicola, Tesla. Would it, yeah, would it have been? I, I will stand happily corrected. Do you think in 100 years there's going to be some company called Sidoris? No. <laughs> I don't think in two weeks think, there will be a company think, called <laughs> No. <laughs> All right. What do what do we have, what do we have on the run for today? Oh. Oh, we tease this thing, this big big question we have. Right. Ooh. Well, okay. Let's. You want? Can we move? Oh. Okay. Oh, never mind. Never mind. No. This is good. Yeah. We teased a couple things. We teased the the um uh the whose picture the Lupita yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Nyong'o yep. uh magazine cover yep. I figured I'd say we'd uh, break it up a little bit. Okay, so we'll get to that. Um, so this was the the capitalist realism article that that right. makes makes the point. I mean, it, on a root level, it kind of makes the point that that Gregory Crudson and Annie Leibovitz are two sides of the same coin. Yes, and arguably that anybody within a particular socio economic political system is going to create art that exists within that system. So, which, by the way, hmm. can I just step back and say that yeah, the yeah, new go ahead. Annie book, if anybody doesn't have it and is interested in portraiture, uh, I do think it's worth getting because, you know, it's a nice collection of her work. It's well printed and all the rest of it. But just because the picture is the picture in the article. Um, right. But, but I mean, certainly, yeah, all she's doing is taking pictures of rich people, successful people, the, the, the skins of society who are creating the next blah, 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 the capitalists, the whatever. But and she was not always rich, nor nor always successful. No, but I mean, for the last 20 years, she has been playing that role, right, of, of being the, the photographer of the, 
of the rich and powerful. I mean, she does a lot of work. Who was I talking to? Oh, I was talking to somebody up at the farm. I don't want to go too much detail, but the basic thing is that they were talking to some famous person once and the famous person was asking them questions about printing uh, Christmas cards, holiday cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that they, they were talking to them and making conversation in the card at this thing. And it was obvious that the, the, the rich and famous lady, uh, didn't really, wasn't really interested in the answer. She just needed something to talk about. And this was a photography guy. So they had this long conversation about printing at home and blah, 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 blah. And then he later saw the card that they ended up putting out. And it was like this professionally printed, really nice thing. Family portrait taken by Annie Leibowitz, right? You know, <laughs> like that kind of oh, wow. thing for the Christmas card, right? It was some wow. rich family that I won't get into, but there is this. I mean, so that's a, that's a, what, a, a $50,000 day rate or something? Probably something like that. Yeah. I mean, I've wow. once heard that, you know, guys like Heisler, they get twenty twenty five thousand $25,000 to take a portrait. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's a whole other thing. In Heisler's case, he probably blows all of it on renting 14 cameras and, <laughs> 39 lights um but he makes a beautiful product at the end so i'm not pulling anything i I, I love how how non-opinionated you, you are about no no i mean that's like that's the stories you hear about the guy i'm not i'm not talking out of school he's just you know he he, he likes he likes uh his cameras and getting it right um so but, so the, but, do you believe that i mean do you believe that we are or not we because i'm really not in that that league, but photographers produce oh, yeah, but work that is of their, of their own sort of experience or, or, or I think that you, even in the stuff that you write and the way you speak and the way you talk on this show and the questions you ask people when you interview them, that's all within the language that you've learned from growing up in a capitalist free system, blah, blah, free in quotes, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm social system that we have in America. Absolutely. I mean, and, 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 and the interesting part about this is that the argument basically argues, the argument argues, the article basically argues, as you said, the Annie's at one end, Crutzen's at the other. Crutzen showing the sort of nameless, somewhat faceless underbelly of all of this sort of, you know, we're going to show you the despair at the other end of that spectrum that is also within this system. Mm-hmm. That that is almost anonymous because that's how far down it is, right? Like it's it's sort yeah. of it's, 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 it's almost who these the, people are, yeah, yeah. They they are merely the cogs that make the other life possible. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and okay. to, to some extent, I, yeah, I I believe that that's true. I mean, look at look at the look at the artwork and the photography that that uh, that you know that happened in the early Soviet Union or you know in Europe or. Or, or Japanese painting or, you know what I'm saying? Like the, mm-hmm. everything is always of the place that you have. You could argue that, that, that the, the vocabulary that an artist is speaking with is only the, the, the words that he he's learned from the people around him, you know, and those, all of that's going to be determined largely by the system you grew up in and the education that you have and what your parents did for a living and where you grew up and, how they saw the world and who your enemies were, who your friends were and where in the it's, world it it's was. It's just an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting th- theory that he pre- presents in this, in this article. Yeah. Uh, 
If we accept, no. Here, if we accept that Leibovitz's and Crutzen's photographs are obverse and reverse of the same coin, we might as well spell out how Leibovitz's descriptions of the wealthy and successful in heroic, vaguely fascist poses is related to Crutzen's depictions of the rest in non-heroic, deject poses. It's the country's underlying myth that sustains, no, necessitates the celebrity pictures. You cannot, after all, maintain the illusion of a country where you will enjoy success if you work hard without showing that this is in fact doable. The lottery operates in the same idea. Your chances of winning are negligible, but someone does win and you could be that person. I mean, who doesn't look at those pictures? You and I, a couple weeks ago, I think I brought up, remember I brought up one of the pictures that was in that book. It was uh, some artist's studio, remember? And I said, how, you know, I look at those and always think to myself, oh man, I want a studio like that when I grow up, you know, right, that, that's right, like right, a big right. part of it. And I think, you know, you sort of agreed with that idea of sort of like mm-hmm. the myth of this idea of this amazing place to work. I mean, that is, that is essentially what they're doing right. In all these, in, in, in those kinds of pictures, certainly that's the whole point. I mean, who does, who does she shoot for mostly vanity fair and Vogue, right? And, in American Express. I mean, talk about companies that are all about lifestyle. They're all about success. You know, it's all about selling this dream, this reality of what your life could be like if you were fancy like us. Right, right. I mean, that's the definition, um, so. Yeah, there's a part in here. Uh, Leibovitz's virtu- uh, visual heroism is all-inclusive. Once you're rich and or famous enough, you will be celebrated in a picture, whether you're Donald Trump, Harvey Weinstein, Gary Cohn, Viola Davis, Barack Obama, Lin-Manuel Miranda, or whoever else. Yeah. I mean, look at the spread even in that list. I mean, obviously yeah. the two presidents on either side of the thing, but Harvey Weinstein uh, Weinstein to Lynn miranda I mean, come on. Uh, the problem here is that is not that some of those depicted in the book don't deserve to be treated like heroes. The problem is the ubiquitous heroism in which often vastly overblown and contrived poses are employed to make everyone look grandiose and deserving of endless admiration. Well, look, of pictures course, like not, her, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, her pictures are, are, are the next generation of glorifying posed paintings, right? I mean, it's all about myth creation. Yes. But it seems to be that, that, that he's singling her out and sort of vilifying her for it on some level. Well, I think that there, you could pick any number of people. She's just the obvious target. But why Why is she obvious? Oh, well, because she's the most famous portrait photographer in the world. I uh, would depends say. On, depends on who you ask. Okay. The most famous person that your average person would ever know who they were, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, because they've done a really good job of creating her as a brand unto herself. Uh, uh, here, and, uh, he goes off on, 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 back to the pictures though. Again, the fact that some of those in the book did and still do work hard is besides the point, given that those who didn't work very hard still get the same treatment erases whatever distinction could be made. Plus any actual heroes, such as someone who ran into a burning building to save a child say are completely absent from the book. True. It is in other words, ideology more than anything else an ideology that cannot be sustained without a heavy reliance on photographic effect a celebration and reaffirmation of capitalism which is the driving force behind the country's myth true but you're also taking pulling apart the fact that it's not like she generally chooses who she's shooting you know she's a cog in the machine like anybody else right what would what would this person have to say 
if if she included uh let's say she had shot uh firemen and first responders the way McNally did at, sure. at 9/11. Yeah. What does that do to the theory? And and does the theory only Yeah, but you does know, the I, theory she, only work because of this curated collection of photographs? Uh, this this is certainly a curated collection of photographs, but you could also argue she is she is a cog in the machine like anything else, and she's told who to shoot by her editor, and her editor's told to shoot by the people who tell her what the circulation is going to be, so that they can keep their jobs. And the reason why we like seeing these people is because that's why people buy the magazine, and they want to seem successful too. So it's like this big circle, circular reasoning thing, right? Like you I, I could stop at any point would, in that and put the blame there. I wonder what she would shoot if if money were lo- no longer sort of the the the. Well, you can see some of that because in there are pictures in the book and in her uh, her former book, the one at um, work. No, 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 no. The the other big one, the this photographer's life or something. Oh, like photographer's that. life. Yeah, yeah. The, right, the right. Big. Yeah, right. Yeah, there are a lot there, of pictures I mean, of Susan Sontag in pictures there. Pictures of Sontag and, dying, yeah, pictures yeah. of her family, pictures of her father, the pictures that everyone else would take, right? The pictures of those around them who they love and the rest of it, and then the occasional picture of Monument Valley. Again, the thing that everybody's going to take, right? I mean, right. take or leave whether you like her picture of it. It's just the idea that you would go there and shoot that stuff. So so left to her own devices, it's not like Annie Leibowitz is going and making these big personal statements. Maybe she's just really good at doing this. And I'm not pulling her out for any reason other than the fact that she's the subject of this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I think, you know, that that gets back to our conversation, I guess it was last week, where it's like, you know, everyone wants you to make the kind of art they want you to make. And it's like, well, that's the whole point of art is that we all get to make the kind that we want to make, regardless of those rounds. If, if this book didn't have her name on it, yeah, would you feel differently about the photographs? You could, you could call it capitalist heroes, <laughs> you know, which, which is still true. You know, I, the question is, I mean, you, you spoke to him and I've listened to your, your interview, but you know, you've spoken to him a lot more than me when Gregory talks about this stuff, does he see it as him making some sort of statement about society? Uh, no. In fact, he's very clear not to right. to uh, talk about what the photographs mean to him because right. he wants you to almost exhume uh, meaning from, from right. The work. Right. But he wants you to go deep. He wants you to, he wants you to be up close and personal and look and see and, and doesn't want to tell you, well, this is what it means to me. Right. And isn't that, isn't that kind of not the way it should be, but I, I think it gives the viewer a chance to pull their own meaning out of it in the same way that that you can pull meaning from a song that maybe the songwriter or the, the, the performer didn't intend. Sure. Right. But I don't think anybody's going and seeing the show we saw last year, or the year before, or whatever it was, is going to walk around those pictures and think anything too far out from what everyone else around them is seeing. Right. Uh, I mean, you, probably you, not. You, you Maybe may, not. you know, we may all look at this, but no one's going in there thinking this is a comedy show, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, so, sure. Sure. So I, I, yes. I mean, I think that there's per- personal sort of realizations of, of the, the imprint of the mirror mm-hmm. that images like that are where we, you know, we, we see what we want to see. We see what we've seen in life or dealt with in life, or we see ourselves or we see family members 
or we feel guilty about society and all these things are still in there. And maybe it's for each of us, it's a different recipe of all of those things. But in the end, I think we're all tasting the same dessert or a similar mm. one, you know? Would, would you go see a show like this in person? Or does it work better as a body of work in a book, do you think? Annie's Prince? Yes. Uh, I personally would, because most of the time you see them in magazines, they're eight by 10 inches, 11 by 12 inches. You know what I mean? They're small. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know a lot of them are really finely made photographs. I would love to see 16 by 20 or slightly larger prints of each of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just to go look at them and go, oh, yeah, that's really nice. Oh, look at all that detail I couldn't see before. Oh, I didn't notice that, you know. Just from a photography nerd point of view, I would go see that kind of thing. Um, uh, but you know, but there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of pictures in that book that aren't technically all that amazing. Um, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. I think we could go. Yeah, but you know, a, a lot more yeah. around the bend on it. Yeah. Well, I just, I just think that in the end. Um. I mean, to wrap it up, I, I think I think that this person has a point, but I think that the point is somewhat not obvious. It's like, you know, people make the kind of art that is, you know, the kind of art that sustains the world they live in. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, Annie in one end and Gregory at the other end. I mean, Gregory's not sitting there making that kind of stuff and paying for it by bringing bottles to the grocery store. You know, he's working within a world where people are paying him tens of thousands of dollars for these prints. And you know what I'm saying? Like he's right, right, right. He's in that world almost as much as he is. Um, and, and somebody could look at that and go, well, you know, you're making these really depressing pictures of depressing people in a depressing place. And like, you know, we're all getting but, off but on it. He doesn't see them as depressing, I, nor I, do I, many of the people that look at them. See, yeah, I guess so. But I'm just saying that he's, I don't think, I don't think that he's outside of the same world that she's in. So I'm, what I'm saying is that Annie is, is, is being supported by being at the high end of this system. Yeah. In the same way. Right. I, I think Gregory is too. I mean, he's like one of the, the highest paid photo artists in the world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So Tinsky probably up exactly. there. But he, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not like, it's not like he's doing it for just himself. He's doing it for the art world at large, which is in the same New York Chelsea thing that, that Annie lives in, you know? So huh. funny enough, even if their, their statements and their, their point of being are, are arguably very different they're, they're kind of coming from the same place. They're both sort of coming from an elitist model, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, can we, can we shift gears on this sure. just for yeah, a second? Yeah. Go ahead. There's, there's a part in here where, where he writes the first immediate property of the photographs in Annie Leibovitz portraits, 2005 to 2016 is the sheer amount of post-processing that went into them to the extent that some of the pictures almost look as if they were the results of CGI rendering yeah. that part of their artifice is hard to ignore, but it's also their least interesting aspect. That said, it is also the one part of, Leibovitz, of Leibovitz's work that brings her closest to the world of fine art photography. So, so now it, there's, there's this direct, at least implied connection between the amount of post-processing and it approaching art in a way that it, a straight portrait does not. And I wanted to get your take on that. Um, I think that 
Well, I like... And, 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 and the reason I'm asking that is because we talked sure. last week about sort of photo illustration and sure. where that line is. I think that her stuff is still on the line of retouching and not on the line of photo illustration, personally. Even even the stuff that, that the, was done a few years back for Disney, that, that whole campaign? Yeah, I mean, that's photo illustration in the sense that, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're putting a backdrop in that's shot separately or even the pictures of the queen, you know, where she puts the sky in and all this mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I consider myself on that side of the line and this, the stuff that she does isn't that much further than, than that, you know, it, it, there's very little in there that didn't start out as another photograph that was expressly taken to be stuck in there that way, you know, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. in some ways those those pictures are made that way because of technical limitations of making them any other way, not because you couldn't take that picture if you got all those things together at the right time. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I think that maybe is some something of a distinction. I do, however, think I disagree. I think that, uh, uh, but it's their least, uh, they're all, also their least interesting aspect. I take a little bit of i i disagree with that you, I mean, you take I, a little umbrage with that i think i think that those images in this book to me are the most interesting images in the book is There's it a lot that of they, other is it that they look overly or or i don't, I don't want to say overly but obviously post-processed i i think some of them are are have a heavy hand in the retouching i think the ones that you really tell you can tell have had a heavy hand in the retouching beyond just oh that picture's impossible kind of stuff, you know, but the ones that you look at and go, ah, oh, there's something plasticky about that. I uh-huh. think that those are times when the original picture wasn't great and Pascal did everything he could to get it to look good. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to we made it look that way on purpose. I think the right. ones that, 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 that she shot in a controlled environment where she could do what she wanted and had the lighting and all the rest of it. I think those look beautiful. And if that's what she had to in her mind to begin with, then that's fine. I think those are the most interesting because that's the kind of work that I like. I think the picture of somebody across the table at a diner that she takes a picture of somebody and you're like, yeah, it's okay. You know? But okay. Like, well, let me ask you this. Yep. If you, if you looked at, I think that's where Annie Leibovitz's power is. I don't think her power is connecting with subjects. I think her power is in the posing and the lighting and all the rest the presentation. of presentation. Right. So if you okay. take away the presentation and it's just her with her camera and a person on the other end, I don't, I don't, I don't find that she's ex- extremely good at that part of it. So you're kind huh. of, you're, you're like losing her strengths and just leaning on what's left. And those pictures but, to me, uh, but like, doesn't that discount her ability in favor of her team's ability to retouch Arguably, what? yeah, or her team's ability to light or whatever, but those are all things that have been said about her before. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but l- let me uh, ask you this: when when you okay, for for the sake of argument, Bill, let's let's uh-oh, let's we're arguing now. Go ahead. No, 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 we're not arguing. L- let's put uh, something from let's say beneath the roses, sure, and something from this book. This, <laughs> right, uh, it's a grudge match. <laughs> Nobody leaves the octagon. Uh, uh, do you do you look at them? I mean, in both cases, there there is there is a, a fair bit to a great deal, depending on which you're looking at of post processing going on. Yeah, it, that's interesting. Yeah, both are extremely constructed when you're looking at images 
the, sort of like the height of both of them having constructed images. Yes. But do you look at, it sounds like there is something approaching uncanny Valley territory about Annie's work. Whereas using our, our, our comparison, Gregory's work feels more real. And again, I've got my air quotes out. Yeah. More yeah, real. yeah. But I mean, if you go back to some of the earlier recruits and stuff where he has like the, the water in the middle of the room, Remember, yeah. you know, there's like, or, or the one where the, some, somebody reaching into the floor and it goes into, in, the, into the drain. And, yeah. 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 Right. So, I mean, that stuff is kind of surrealist kind of stuff too. But does right? one feel more heavily uh, post-processed or heavy handed in the post-processing oh, than another? Um, yeah. I, I actually think they're pretty, I, I think that, I think that Gregory's work is more consistent in tone than Annie's is, but that is a necessary, like a necessary thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. Gregory's trying to take 30 pictures that feel like a common body of work. Yeah. Annie's taking 30 covers. She doesn't want them to feel all the same. You know what I mean? So, right. right. Other than for someone to be able to look at them and arguably and say, that's an Annie Leibovitz. Right, 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 right. And and they're going to do that just because, of the way she takes pictures and, you know, her lighting team and the team that she has around her, you know, and all the rest of it. So, so yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, arguably Gregory's stuff is more consistent, but it's designed to be more consistent than her stuff is. So, but I don't Mm -hmm. think either one of them at its best looks more processed. I mean, they both have excellent people working for them. Um, uh, I, I think, I think somebody like Gregory is more constructive Mm -hmm. even so. And I think, and I don't know that there's anything to this, but the fact that Gregory tends to use more hot lights and less strobes, I don't, I don't know why that would necessarily make any difference, but I think it right. does change things a little bit. Yeah. Not that you couldn't do Gregory's pictures with strobes. In fact, a lot of times when I watch behind the scenes thing, I'd be like, that'd be so much easier just putting a bank of packs up there versus, but then, but then he can't see it, but then he can't see it. Right. He can't experience that world. Right. And it may be that he's right. Well, that's a good part of it. Right. So Mm -hmm. now you could see that either as part of his power or a weakness of his vision. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like depending on how you looked at it, depending on how you look at it. Sure. Right. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times I look at, you know, when I'm taking pictures, it doesn't look like what it looks like on the camera because I do generally use strobes for everything. So, um, and it's just sort of like, I, I would I love to see, I would love to see you approach a similar picture in those two different ways, shooting it once with <laughs> strobes and shooting it once with, with uh constant light yeah. and see which experience it's true. you, 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 I mean, that might be a fun experience kind of a thought experiment i really like the idea of of constant light it's the the problems i have with it is the heat and power and amount of light that you need to do stuff is just really expensive and and annoying um yeah and i don't own that stuff you know um sometimes i see like those scoop lights that cars used to use you know at at, at an old store or whatever and i go eight thousand degrees they've got one uh down in the basement in the at the smithsonian actually there are a couple of them uh in in hughes studio oh really yeah 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 yeah. see like that that kind of thing i would totally uh be into if if i had access to a studio that had a bunch of those yeah i'll go shoot somebody like that let's see how it goes Mm -hmm. um I think it would be interesting to yeah. to to kind of yeah. to kind of spec out a brief of of a, a, a shot that could be done both ways yep. and and 
let's go shoot. Maybe we can yeah. do that in the coming year. Let's go shoot it. I'll, I'll be the fly on the wall and, and let's, let's see how it turns out yeah. both ways. That might be fun. I mean, the thing is, arguably, it shouldn't be that different. Mm-hmm. You know, arguably, you should be able to get either one to work either way. Right. Um, uh, so, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day cause I was shooting with an umbrella and they were asking about it and they ended up, uh, and I was saying how in the early eighties, late seventies, when soft boxes were sort of invented and came in that the look and feel of light changed a little bit cause it got even softer, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and how every once in a while there are technological distinctions in light that change the way things look, you know, and, but then it gets overused and, you know, it's, it's all interesting. By the way, I had dinner at a firehouse the other night. It was awesome. <laughs> Complete random commentary. Okay. <laughs> That's Good. who I was talking to about this light. Stuff. Yeah. That's what okay. popped into my head. Just to kind of wrap this up, there's yeah. a, there's a Leibovitz's photographs are not realistic in the traditional sense of the word, beginning with their excessive post-production and they clearly, uh, they are clearly hagiographic. I don't know that word. Hagiographic. Hagiographic. Fair enough. Go uh, ahead. Uh, it see. means the writing of the lives of saints. Uh, a biography that I, idealizes the subject. Go ahead. Huh. Okay. Uh, I just learned something. Yep. Interesting. Uh, with every subject heroically depicting uh, transcendental uh, demiurgic. Yeah. Forces. These forces can be problematic. I mean, it. There seems to be a lot of reading into the work going on here. Well, yeah, I was going to say the. I think part of the problem is that there are suppositions and 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 arguments made in here saying like, well, obviously this, and it's like, no, I don't accept your premise. A lot of times, you know, I mean, I under I understand where you're going with this, and I agree in theory as like an interesting conversation point, but I don't think that means that. This is some of the time when I get into analysis of art that I just kind of go, no, see, you're making too much of this. This feels more like something from a lectern kind of, I don't know, it just, I don't know. Well, it is, uh, you know, uh, conscientious photo magazine. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) it is, it is, it is meant to be that way, I guess. Yeah. And scene. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean it's you know it, it raises some interesting points but then it it i think it takes i think away in some places it, it is just as heavy-handed as the post-processing that it's criticizing yes yes absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. all right um i completely agree with that. feel better now all right i do feel better <laughs> what else you got let's talk about our friends at squarespace while we're at it because we're like Square 40 minutes in. Space. If you wanted to build uh, yeah, a website to, uh, to talk about all this nonsense and, and host it, uh, where would you go? I would go to Squarespace and make a nice blog. You can make, right. You could make a number of blogs. You can make a blog that talks about other people's work. You could make a blog where you try to make work like that yourself. You can make a blog uh, on there that hosts a podcast. Three blogs, all in one, all in one system. Look at that. That's actually a very cool thing about Squarespace is the fact that you could make as many of those pages as you want within a site. Does that make sense? Like that? Yeah. That you can, yeah. You can do cover pages. You can. Yeah. And they're all, I think the block thing is, is, is an easy thing to wrap your head around Yeah, from a, from 
a creation standpoint. Yeah, yeah, you can have multiple store pages. You can have multiple blogs if you want them, multiple galleries. It's not like you're, oh, this is your gallery. No, you can have six galleries if you want them, um, as we do. You know, it, Squarespace is great for for turning your idea into a, a new, beautiful website. It's it's They just do a good job. You can showcase your work. You can blog or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kind. You can promote your physical or online business. Announce an upcoming event or special project like Jeffrey's book that's coming out in a few weeks and much more. Fingers and crossed. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates that are created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, the ability to customize look and feel, settings, products, and more with just a few clicks. And everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to worry about it looking good on a phone or an iPad or a Nexus 7 2013 tablet that you pulled out of your closet this morning. I don't um, even know where mine is, by the way. <laughs> a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions. You, you, can, you, you, know, you can go buy your domains right there at Squarespace. So you don't have to go to another guy and have all your stuff mixed up. If you're going to host your, your site at Squarespace, just go buy your domain at Squarespace and it's all in one place. Analytics that help you grow in real time so you can tell exactly what's going on. And they've actually upgraded their analytics recently. I, kept, I got an email or a blog post thing about it. Um, built-in search engine optimization so people can find you easily, free, secure hosting as part of your, as part of your, uh, your account so that you don't have to worry about upgrading and patching. You don't have to do any of that because nothing to patch or upgrade ever. They're doing that for you all the time behind the scenes to keep up with the latest security trends and 24 seven award-winning customer support. So if you have any problems, you can email or, 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 uh, message with them and, uh, they'll take care of you. Uh, and so, you know, go make something with Squarespace, uh, ready to start a new business, make it stand out, get started with Squarespace today, head over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, please use the offer code OTP, save 10% on your first purchase and to show your support of, uh, on taking pictures and the people of five by five. We thank them very much. Ready to launch. Ready to launch.com. Are you ready to launch? That's probably already taken. Probably taken. Oh, whose picture is it anyway? Or is there tension between creativity and productivity? Yes. Spoiler. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we talk about that one next time. That seems heavy. That seems pretty heavy. Yeah. We got other stuff to do. Maybe we'll put that in. Maybe we'll put that in and discuss it next time. Yeah. It's a Kotke article, which is always an interesting thing. Oh, it's also a David Allen and Corey Doctorow mentioning post. Oh, yeah. That's going to be pretty heavy. So let's let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boink. Uh, okay. So wait, uh, remind me of how you pronounce this woman's last name. I believe it's Lupita Nyong'o. 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 I believe that is how you pronounce it. Nyong'o. I could be wrong. Um, beautiful woman, talented actor. Yes. Uh, she did. She is the person who runs the little Maz woman in the first Star Wars reboot, right? The Ma. Oh, I, I believe so. Yeah, she's the no, weird little no. CGI character. No? Oh, wait. I don't know. Now I don't know. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go look that up. Yeah. Darn it. Uh, yeah, Force Awakens. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that she is. With, um, with the big the big eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the yeah, weird yeah. little okay. CGI okay. person. Yeah. Um, okay. So apparently what happened was um, she had her picture taken for this Grazia UK magazine. Grazia UK, yep. And uh, there are some outtakes from the same shoot 
that are unretouched and also very lovely because this woman's absolutely beautiful. Stunning. Um, Just stunning. And apparently she has her hair pulled back and obviously she has, uh, she's African Mexican, I think Nigerian Mexican. I think she is. Um, she has, uh, her hair pulled back in a ponytail. So on her head, it looks like sort of a close shorn black woman haircut. You know what I mean? Like where they, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. they cut their hair short. Um, but that she has it all pulled back into this bun in the back. And in the final image, they cut off the bun in the back so that it's just looks like she kind of shaved her head for the photo yeah. shoot and, and smoothed out her, her hair, even at, at her hairline quite a bit. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and really I mean, kind of rounded of that, off the top of her head. And yeah, I and, mean, of course they're going to, yeah, that kind of no more bumps in your head. Right. Um, and they toned it and did all the things they do and her skin is perfect and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like all the things they do as retoucher people. Um, the question is, so what happened is she puts out a tweet saying disappointed that at Grazia UK edited out and smoothed my hair to fit more Eurocentric notion of what beauty, beautiful hair looks like. What's DTMH? Don't touch my hair. Oh, is that what that is? Okay. Yes. Is that a common hashtag? I think she maybe coined that. Okay. Okay. So. Oh yeah, they, oh I see down the down further. Acronym for the song Don't Touch My Hair by uh, Solange Knowles. Okay. So the question that I have is whose picture is this? Well, uh, is this the probably picture? Is the magazine's picture or it's is it her probably picture? the magazine's picture. I mean the you know, the photographer probably owns copyright, but the magazine licensed it most likely licensed it for use unless the photographer was on staff. Right. Right. So, so where, where does, where does one cross the line? Do you think that this crosses a retouching line? Um, I don't know because like, you know, we, we talked about this when it first happened and if you look at the, and I'm not excusing it and I'm not, I'm not, you know, yeah saying that what they did was was right or wrong, but they did a lovely copy. job on the Yeah, they did a great job it's on beautiful. it. It's yeah. beautiful. There's some copy up behind the back of her head and down kind of in that negative space between her shoulder blade, the, the crook of her neck and the back of her head and the left edge of the magazine that they've put some editorial content in there. Right. Now, whether they um, changed the picture to to deal with that problem or they did the hair stuff first and they said, oh, there's space over there. I'm going to put text there. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, look, is it still a a beautiful representation of a black woman? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I can't make that call because I've never walked in her shoes, and I've never I've never had my own uh, either cultural or or visual identity sure. usurped. Yeah. So I can't I can't comment on what it feels like to her. I, I can't comment on what it feels like as as a black person a black woman uh a a, a, mo- a model yeah. I, I can't i can't i don't look at it though and think oh they obviously wanted to make her look more european i don't i don't get that from i don't get the, the eurocentric that's that i don't i don't understand that because it doesn't look lo- as though they have changed the shape of her face her eyes right. her nose her lips or you know yeah. that doesn't look to be 
altered yeah. much? I mean, and, maybe and some smoothing out And if you did shave her bit? head, it probably would look very much like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I can see where she's upset. Again, because it's a it's another, I don't want to say whitewashing, but I have to be, I have see, to at I least attempt to be. I, mean, I, I know that that does happen and I'm not claiming it doesn't, but I personally don't look at this and go, oh yeah, I see what they were going for there trying to remove some sort of element of this woman in order to, I just, I look at the final version. I go, yeah, that's a better picture than if the hair was there. Yeah. Again, like yes, the, you, the, you, the you see that. Better and you would, and, yeah. But I can't, again, I can't comment on, on her sort of How know, she feels cultural appropriation by sure. the yep. rest of the, I can't comment on that. Right. I, right, right, right. I can try and empathize with it. Um, so the magazine puts out a statement. Grazia is, is committed to representing diversity throughout its pages and apologizes unreservedly uh, to Lupita. Uh, Grazia magazine would like to make it clear that at no point did they make any editorial request to the photographer for Lupita's hair to be altered on this week's cover, nor did we alter it ourselves. Ah, so it was the photographer who did it. But we apologize unreservedly for not upholding the highest of editorial standards and ensuring we are all aware of alterations that have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the photographer was Anne Lee in a statement released on Sunday through Crisis Management Company. Mr. Lee, wow, Crisis Management Company. That sounds serious. That's the name <clears throat> of the, the photographer's agent? Uh, apparently, through a... Crisis management company. Oh, okay, not <laughs> yeah. crisis, crisis management. management may I help company. you? Yeah. How may I direct your call? I've uh, had time to reflect on my part in the incident involving Grazia and Mrs. Nyong'o. Uh, Nyong'o? Uh, Ms. Nyong'o. I realize now what an incredibly monumental mistake I have made, and I would like to take this time to apologize to her and everyone else that I did offend. Although it's not my intention to hurt anyone, I could see now that altering the image of her hair was unbelievably damaging and hurtful act. As an immigrant myself... It's my duty to be an advocate for the representation of diversity and beauty in this industry. I would demonstrate my, this in my work even more going forward. He added that altering of the image was not born out of any hate, but instead out of my own ignorance and insensitivity to the constant sliding of women of color through the different media platforms. See, I feel like this guy's kind of taken the sword for a whole lot of other things that were much worse. Perhaps, uh, but that may be his, his way of, 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 Showing that that look, I I I own this. I made a mistake, and it could be the crisis management company, yeah. crisis Maybe. management company. Saying, yeah, it could it could be a dude, spin. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, right. Like, look, dude, this is where the zeitgeist is. Suck it up. And he's gonna yeah. be like, no, I just moved her hair because it was no, no, dude, I don't want to hear. No, it. no, this is what you need to do. Yeah, no matter yeah. what you do, other than saying this, you're gonna screw yourself. So just say this. <laughs> you know, I could totally see that too. Um. I will say, man, that final version is really nice. <laughs> I don't know. I look at that and I go, yeah, it's yeah, pretty Yeah, it's good. beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful I mean, the other dress. ones are fine too, but that other one is pretty nice. There, I, I love the, 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 the cyan kind of overall yep. kind of cyan cast that they gave to the image. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's really well done. Anyway, I just, I look at that. I think that there are times when that kind of stuff happens. In my opinion, I don't, I don't see that and go, wow, that's over the line. Mm-hmm. I just go, eh. You know, like, well, and, and again, the, the, the fact that you just go, eh, maybe I'm the problem. Yeah. Maybe to someone, I think, you know, you know well, I, I just have, I have the whole cultural appropriation thing I think is like a little crazy anyway. Cause I think, I, I think that can go way too far. 
where it's like, no, how well, dare you take pictures of somebody who isn't a man? And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, like I'm a photographer. I'm going to do that. Yeah, um, but I mean, look at your own work. Your own work is 90 plus percent white people. Yeah, probably 80%. But yeah, but, but not, not for choice. It's mm. just, you know, it's, you know, the people I'm asked to shoot and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, or I don't know. It's just, it's, you know, but it, again, it's not like, like it's sort of just self-selecting because of the world that I inhabit in the work that I do, but not by choice, you know? So in fact, I actively try not to, or to, mm. to mix it up. Well, and, and not for nothing, but when you do shoot people of color, particularly the way you shoot black women, yeah, you light them beautifully. Oh, thanks. I mean, there is just a, there's a lovely quality to the tone and the skin and really, and, really hard to get the color of black skin, right? Yeah. Because no, there's it, so it, many it, different shades and like it actually, I was talking, you know, I had a, I had dinner with a retouching friend of mine the other day mm-hmm. and I was asking him, I was just like, you know, what do you do? And he's just like, yeah, it's all about the cyan magenta hmm. or the, yeah, the cyan magenta mix. He's just like, you want the cyan to get a little to get like a little bit of that almost steely kind of look in the skin. Hmm. Hmm. But then you got to play with the green magenta to sort of get enough magenta in there that it doesn't look green and awful. And I was like, but even in black and white, it seems like it would be hard. I mean, I look at, go back and look at some of the Herb Ritz stuff from like, Oh yeah. Really nineties. I mean, because you, you can, you put a lot of light on the skin and it doesn't necessarily reflect off. Right. mm -hmm. So you have to absorbs. Yeah. Right. So then you got to find things behind it and whatever, you know, which again is another example of whoever this photographer guy is, which maybe we should use him as a photographer to look him up. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he did it with any malice. I think he was just trying to make a pretty picture. And I don't even think that the thing that he made was particularly offensive looking. I don't know. So I don't know where, where I come down on it. If anybody has any other thoughts on this, uh, let us know. I, I wonder how much of this could have been not necessarily solved, but if, if He's the Vietnamese photographer guy, reached out to uh, either the magazine or her agent and said, Hey, look, I'd, I'd like to, Try a couple things. How do you feel about that? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, he's a fashion photographer, as it were. I'm looking at his site. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, what else do we have here? We got okay. Uh, just as a as a maybe we could tease this for next time too. This broken glass article that I find the article interesting, but I mostly find it interesting on how you can take. So this is an article from the New York Times about how the history of photography is a history of shattered glass um, is is the title of this. And it talks about, you know, the pictures. There's a picture here of the um, Mandalay Bay Hotel with the windows blown out with Air Force One taking off next to it. Going back to the Kertesz picture of a broken plate of glass in Paris, uh, the uh, uh Brett Weston pictures of broken glass in in San Francisco and all this kind of stuff, how you can weave through a whole bunch of work and find commonalities and find threads that go horizontally across. Yeah. I think if you, if you look hard enough, sure. You're going to find things like like that. There was a, there was a, um, so last Wednesday night, I went to the opening of the Stephen Shore show at MoMA and there was this picture of uh, a theater that that he had shot. Um, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here this this picture here. View. Let me find a bigger one. So yeah, okay. View image. 
All right. This picture here, Jeffrey, I'll put it in Skype for you. Um, it was up on the wall and I was looking at it. And I go, oh, see, that's just like the theater in the Crutzen picture of the 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 moments one. Oh, in the snow where the yeah. car's coming around the corner. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I was like, you know, I wonder, you always got to wonder, like, is Crutzen a fan of Stephen Short and saw this one day and said, hmm, man, I, I need to use a theater, you know, what do they call that? Uh, marquee? marquee. Thank you. Um, you know, in one of my pictures as, as an element, as a creative element, you know what I mean? And maybe he I did. I don't know. I mean, a marquee I, is pretty sure, Americana. Sure. That's but, pretty, you know. But it does But it does remind me of the way that that feels. And I was just like, oh, that's really interesting. And, you know, so you could show, you know, how movies interweave through a bunch of photographers. You know what I mean? And go, and go all right. the way through. Yeah, so, sure. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. I'll put it in the show notes and maybe we could talk about it next time if we, if we, yeah, have, yeah, if we yeah. have some time. Uh, history of photography is a history of shattered glass. All right, so what do you think? Do you think that the the this Leonardo da Vinci painting is real or not? Or not? Uh, I don't know and I don't really care much. Uh, and even if it... I, I don't understand. Okay, you spend... We're talking about this 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 Leonardo da Vinci painting sells for half a billion dollars, right? Yeah, $450 million. Dollars. Yep. I mean, is it just a tax shelter? Because you're not going to keep it in your house, so you're yep. going to give it to a museum or loan it to a museum, and yeah, or and, stick it in a crate in a holding company thing somewhere. Yeah, where you have top men working on it. One hundred and seventy-nine million dollars. <laughs> you didn't even get it. Top men working on it. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, oh, top men. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have top men working. On it. Yeah, right. Good. That was good. I like that. Nice. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, it, what, what is interesting though, is apparently it was supposed to go for 200 million or whatever it is. And it just kept going up and up by millions of dollars. Uh, it says there were gasps throughout the sale as the bids climbed by tens of millions of dollars up to 225 by fives up to 260. And then by twos from 260 to 450 million. That means there were a hundred bids between those, all of that. Um, I, I I kind of I mean part of me hopes that it turns out to be a fake a con yeah Jeffrey as the bid slowed and a buyer pondered his next multi million dollar integra- uh, increment the auctioneer said it's a historic moment we'll wait <laughs> right <laughs> apparently though now now what I what I find interesting about this and the reason I put it in here other than the fact that it's I don't know it's always fun to think about these things that are that are that far gone is that apparently. The whole thing was a big marketing campaign. It says Christie's marketing campaign was perhaps unprecedented in the art world. It was the first time the auction house went so far as to enlist an outside agency that advertised the work. Christie's also released a video that included top executives pitching the painting to Hong Kong clients as, quote, the holy grail of our business, end quote, and likening it to, quote, the discovery of a new planet, end quote. Christie's Ugh. called the work The Last Da Vinci the only known painting by the Renaissance master still in private collections. Some 15 others are in museums. Check this out though, Jeffrey. It's been a brilliant marketing campaign, said Alan Hobart, director of the Pims Gallery in London, who has acquired museum quality artworks across the range of historic periods for British businessman and collector Graham Kirkman. This is going to be the future. There is a palpable air of anticipation at Christie's Rock Center headquarters as uh, as the market art market's major players filed into the sales room. The capacity crowd included top dealers like Gagosian, uh, David Zwimmer, uh, Mark Payot, 
Uh, major art collector. Wait, from David Schwimmer showed up? Uh, 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 Zwermer. Uh, Zwermer. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, that friend's money was serious. All, the, all these famous things. Jeffrey, Christie's had produced special red paddles for bidding on the Leonardo. And many of its specialists taking bids on the phone were elegant black. Now, what's really interesting is that they put this not in the old master's sale, but rather in the high-profile contemporary art sale. So, Which it's not. They even manipulated where it sat in what, huh. right? And it's interesting, like this. But there's whole, some doubt as to whether it's it's real, it's real and yeah, the provenance of it is shady and it's been retouched and messed around with so much and all of that. Yeah, I mean, is it is it is it is it going to end up like the Pollock that was bought in the the thrift store in San Bernardino years ago? Well, this was kind of like that. I think they bought it for like pennies on the. They bought it for like fifty fifty pounds or something, right? Like twenty years ago, at like a, at an old thing. Yeah. Um, so I just look at this and I go, man, that's fascinating to think that it was, this is, this is a work that, you know, no one, no one really knows if it's real or not, if it's that important or not, but that the art world has not even, it's not even a matter of hype just from the piece of what it is, but that you're hiring an outside agency to build more hype on top of it, like a big pyramid scheme of hype. You yeah. Know? It's a, it's a, it's an art Ponzi scheme kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, I find that really interesting. Um, what are you laughing uh, at? I just think it like if the soap at Christie's like in the bathroom was Amway or something, would that, would that be right, right, telling right, right. of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 insane, you know, and some Russian billionaire bought it a few years ago. Anyway, it's just it's just kind of crazy. Um and the way that yeah, they sold just, it and the way they did it is amazing. It's very I mean, uh, the composition doesn't come from Leonardo, says Jacques Frank, a Paris-based art historian and Leonardo specialist. He preferred twisted movement. It's a good studio work <laughs> with a little Leonardo at best, and it's very damaged. A little Leonardo at best. Yeah. That's what she said. What? Um, Come on. Man. I, I like the fact that I put this in the show notes as Da Vinci insanity. <laughs> yeah. It's been called the male Mona Lisa, he said, but it doesn't look like it at all, Mr. Frank said as he examined the Mona Lisa out of its frame five times. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Who does this guy Luke think? Luke Sison is? or Sisson? Sisson? Sison? S Y S O N, probably Sisson. Uh, curator of the 2011 National Gallery Exhibition in London that featured the painting said, in his catalog essay that, quote, the picture has suffered, end quote. While both hands are well-preserved, he said the painting was, quote, aggressively overcleaned, end quote, resulting in abrasion on the whole surface, quote, especially in the face and hair of Christ, end quote. Well, it's because they used Windex in a paper towel. Of course. Wait, you're not supposed to use Windex is in that a paper not, towel? Is that not the thing? Is that, the, is not, <laughs> that not the standard? It says it's safe. <laughs> on all surfaces. <laughs> What do you mean you can't use pledge? <laughs> <laughs> so genius. Um, anyway, so that's that's that. Uh, yeah. A couple other things. Uh, I somehow bumped into this uh, through an email that I got. An article, incidentally, about Stephen Shore saying that, you know, because he teaches, at, he runs the department at Bard College, the photography department. And right. uh, that for the first two years, they do everything uh, on film. Hmm. because 
he feels uh, like it's, he said, um, it's, it's, it's came about not as an aesthetic discipline, but as a matter of uh, economics is the reason why he used to shoot just one single frame of anything with the color eight by 10, it would cost $15 a shot, about $75 a shot today's money every time I took a picture. So I just decided I wouldn't take more than one picture of anything. And over time, this became an extraordinary discipline. It forced me to decide what I really wanted. I continue to work that way. Even if I'm photographing with my phone, I still just take one picture because I will have figured out essentially what I want in advance. Um, he says, uh, working in the working in the dark room, I don't have a prejudice against digital. That's all I use now. But I'm convinced that there are certain things hard, very hard to describe that are learned by doing dark room work. It makes a lot of decisions physical. You learn to look at light in a way that you wouldn't if you just used a slider in Photoshop. Turning a dial, pressing a button, exposing it, taking out the processing paper and looking at it, people get more visceral sense of the decisions they make by working in analog. Right. I was wondering what you thought of that. I think it's true. Okay. Uh, and moving I think, on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, I think it's, it's something that we've talked about many, many times. I think there is a different appreciation that you, that you gain from using physical media, not just in photography, but in painting. If all you'd ever done is, is used uh, Corel Painter or Procreate or something like that, yes, you have an idea of how, of how the computer mixes color, but that's, that's very different than taking a palette knife and, and running it through colors or, or you know, grinding down your own pigment or, or you know, seeing how water uh, and watercolor reacts to the surface of a paper that that really does react with the physical properties of light as opposed to a simulation there. So I, th- I think there is some, some, uh, some value in there. Is it, is it the only way to learn it? And is it the only valid form of experience? Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. Does apparently, it work for some people? Yes. Apparently, um, he, uh, uh, buys cameras on eBay f- to give to the students every year. He sure. Yeah. Ah, okay. To to get analog cameras, you know, for them to use. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so take Stephen Shore's class, and you might end up with uh, what, what does he give them? Thirty fives. I'm assuming so. Yeah, at least yeah. At the beginning. Uh, maybe they're just you know to to they uh, just to borrow. I don't know. You know what I mean? Could be anything. That's great. Yeah. Um. He says he, you know, he's he's been using a X1D lately, like a 50 megapixel Hasselblad. He mm-hmm. says uh, I could take casual pictures, often similar to what I've been doing on Instagram, but I can make five, four by 5.5 footprints that are actually sharper than the ones from an eight by 10 negative. That's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. That's I, wild. I still want to. I I haven't made any giant prints from my camera yet, but I want to just to see how they look. Wait, is you know? is the X1D? Is that the little metal one? The little uh, the little like the little range mirrorless, metal mirrorless one. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a very nice camera. Maybe the next version of it will be even better once they have more lenses out. Um. Let's see what else. Oh, what do you think about? Okay, so Fuji. Did, was it last week? You and I d- brought up the the little the new Fuji that is double width. Yeah, the Instax um, wide. Yeah. yeah, but which has apparently down the bottom a nice big white, uh, like sort of place to hold on to it. Yeah, it's got it's got the chin that the that right. the Polaroid pictures. So have. apparently, sure. Polaroid is demanding millions from Fujifilm for copying its trademark shape and size. 
Yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, I mean, they they bring up the point that that Polaroid has has not been making money in the sector and has abandoned you know blah 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 blah. Yeah. For years, but I don't I don't know enough about it to know. Does that mean that the IP is up for grabs and free free you know free is just free fair wheeling? game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know that that just just because you're not making money from it and and we are doesn't feel like. A, a fair argument right yeah 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 interesting though the idea that 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 the the shape and and size and design of the of the image itself i never thought about the frame of polaroid actually being something that would have been trademarked but i think it was hmm. yeah i thought just the process of of uh yeah the chemical process was apparently plrip owns the u.s trademarks covering the borders surrounding instant photographs Huh. Interesting. Um, what a strange thing. Wait, didn't to own. I thought Impossible Project bought all of the Polaroid IP? I think that they bought the rights to make film and stuff under the name Polaroid, but I think oh, okay. That okay. this company okay. owns the trademarks for the film, apparently. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're a brand licensor and marketer of IP rights for Polaroid instant cameras. Huh. I, just, I just I think it's really interesting. Because you're you're totally trading on what people think of when they think about absolutely yeah absolutely yeah certainly for people like us interesting yeah uh, is it, I wonder if they'll settle out of court or or whether they'll take or if Fuji will allow it to go to trial if somebody was coming after you and you had the money to fight it or you could just just deal with it and you know what I mean like pay them off would you pay them off uh, did I knowingly commit a wrong uh. No, no, I don't know. I, Cause there's lots of situations where somebody didn't do something wrong and yet they get sued and they're like, Ugh, it's just easier just to pay it rather than fight it. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about, about, uh, the legality of the IP or the way it works. Um, okay. but it seems like, it seems like you'll could, be hearing from be, my lawyer then Jeffrey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> could there be some sort of, uh, collaborative way forward between Fuji and Polaroid? Yeah. Could could Fuji uh, license you know the Polaroid name for you know a fee and you know Instax by Polaroid or Polaroid by Instax or you know something yeah, to that nature? <laughs> wow, Instaroid. No. That's, um, yeah. So could could there be a, a, a potential for collaboration so that everybody wins instead of you know? somebody oh jeffrey you're such a millennial not everyone wins every time oh believe me i know that <laughs> believe me mm. all right <clears throat> how you doing jeffrey i'm good i'm good i'm a little uh a little what i'm not sleeping well oh so you're, you're sleepy uh, the la- i don't know if i'm sleepy the last several nights i've been having these really weird dreams uh what happens in these dreams I would prefer not to talk about it, but okay. they're very disturbing. Oh, I don't like that at all. No. Yeah. I don't like disturbing dreams. You got to start, wa- stop watching all those terrible, terrifying TV shows that everyone's. Keeps I don't watch nowadays. terrible, terrifying TV shows. Oof. Terrible, terrifying TV shows. This is the title of today's show. Right. Dot com. And the kind of thing that you should stop watching because you should be doing your uh, cloud accounting with fresh books. That might have been the worst segue I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, 
Watching horror flicks is one thing, but cloud accounting <laughs> is quite another. Is where it's at. You know what's really scary? Analog accounting. Am yeah. I right? Am I right? Hey, our <laughs> friends at, Fa- at FreshBooks make ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers and photographers and God, what else? Who, who, who else uses cloud accounting? Pretty much anybody, any business, your small business, you got a little side business, a little side hustle, hashtag side hustle. You like the side hustle, don't you? I haven't hustled in so long that I don't even know. Do the hustle. That's the, t- that's the last time Jeffrey did the hustle. <laughs> By simplifying tasks like invoicing. See, now tracking. I want to go roller skating. Damn it, Bill. I know it's fun. There must be a rink somewhere near you. Got to be. Okay. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with all of their business paperwork. And if that's not enough incentive, FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. Oh, and you know, if you're doing the math, Jeffrey, about, you know, 192 hours every single year. Your precious time. time you can get back. That's two it, working it days per month that you spend doing work that you don't have to do. So if you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now would be the time to try. They've got easy, quick invoicing, professional looking invoices in about 30 seconds. With literally two clicks, you can set up to receive payments online. You can take pictures of your receipts on your phone using your FreshBooks mobile app and claim your expenses really easily by just adding it straight to an invoice. They've been rebuilt from the ground up, so it's even more productive, organized, you can get paid quickly. With new projects features, uh, you can share files and messages with your clients, contractors, and employees. Their notification center is fantastic because you can you can always know uh, what's happened to your business since you last logged on. It'll let you know if somebody's seen the invoice or not. It'll let you know that it's sent a late auto payment reminder, which is the other thing. Man, they, they let their clients know whether they've paid your invoice or not. They remind them if they've forgotten because everyone forgets. Uh, multiple currencies. So anywhere in the world, you're working with somebody from uh, Japan, you can get paid in yen. And if you have any problems whatsoever, they've got fantastic support, award-winning customer support service, real life person usually answers in three rings or less. Go try them out. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all for all of our listeners. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash OT, on taking pictures rather. That's freshbooks.com slash on taking pictures and enter on taking pictures in the how did you hear from us section. Uh, and uh, we thank them very much for the support of the show uh, and five by five. Uh, all right. What do we have left? We have a I lot I think left. we're just going to the group. We'll save the other big stuff for next time. All right. We'll do a not crazy long show today. I think. Since it's a, it, well, we are a day early and a dollar extra. I don't have any extra dollars. I I certainly don't. I, I I'd like some extra dollars. <laughs> let's go. To, let's go to the assignments here. Oh, Tim Schuf's uh, picture of the big giant digging machine is pretty cool. My father. Uh, my yeah. father had a backhoe for a while. <laughs> it was just like that, and he let people <laughs> dig out the pond on our on our yard. Uh, I would like to drive one of those big uh, tractors just once. Yeah, the people who do can drive those things, you know, right. I was speaking of which I was talking to the guy the other night at the firehouse. He says, oh, man, driving these things is so hard. The big giant, you know, ladder trucks. Yeah, he says the people the people who are good at driving them are unbelievable. You know, this this guy's a 
Battalion is this the chief. one where like the, they they've got the one the the guy in the in the very back that's they driving as well? They have some of those actually as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is nuts. Yeah, anyway, that's crazy. Uh, Florian's got a big giant five hundred millimeter lens on his Pontax Pentax. Uh, let's see, that's what a huge is- beard right there, Andrew Shields. That is a huge beard. Look at that. That thing's epic. I couldn't. That's I- like ZZ Top level beard right there. Uh, Ken Robertson is at a at like a bullfighting thing. Would you ever like go rodeo? out anywhere near a bull? Yeah. No, 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 no. I would, I would love to go to a rodeo. Uh, my dad always wanted to go to Calgary. The Calgary Stampede every year, happens every year. How far? Where is that in Texas? Calgary. Calgary, Canada. Canada? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I did not know that. Yeah. It's like, I guess it's, it's, it's either one of or the biggest rodeo in the world. There's one in Vegas that's huge too. I would love to go. Well, you could probably make that happen. Uh, um, I like see. that SAS building too in Copenhagen. The Royal Hotel is pretty huge by Copenhagen standards. In fact, until 1969, it was the tallest building in Denmark. That little thing was the tallest building in Denmark? Yeah, but maybe they have restrictions on on the sight lines like they do here in D.C. That's true. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Fair point. Uh, Peter Geyser is underneath, the giant, is underneath the Wilson Bridge. <laughs> That's uh, a cool bridge. Where is that? I don't know. Do- Potomac River near you somewhere. Huh. That's a neat looking bridge. John Dilworth is hanging out with a giant Buddha. Uh, right. And Looks feeling like nothing. An indoor version of the <laughs> one I saw at Kamakura when I was over there. Let's see. Um, ooh, man, that's, I wonder if this is one of those ones where, where it's going to be placed in like a hilltop or something so that when you're walking up the hilltop, all you can see is the very top of the head. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, sure. Could be. Where, where like, like landscaping would kind of come up to that, that cup or, or bowl yeah, yeah, area yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be or is this cool. it? Is it? Does it just get put in here? Is this? I guess maybe it's the final place. Maybe it is. I like the uh, LED billboard too. At the uh, just like sort of macro shot of the billboard, tiny LEDs and a huge display. Says Lars, it's good. I would like a new display. Yeah, well, you've been talking about that for five years too. Which no. is first? You're going to get a new monitor or a new camera? Which is going to come first? <laughs> I don't think either of them are going to happen, to be honest with you. I think, I think it's, it's, you know, it's the, it's the thrill of the chase, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Thrill of the chase. It's a monitor, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> but which one? <sighs> um, what do you want to do for next week? Uh, how about big, tension t- for tension. next week? Is sure. that okay? Sure. The other one I think was just a little abstract. Okay. Tension. Tension. Tension, uh, but let's let's make a slight call to it to say for those of you in America who are going to be spending time with family this week uh, <laughs> for Thanksgiving, take some pictures of your family. Yeah, people you don't see that often. Yes, please uh, do that. Because- yeah, just share that in photo sharing. Don't don't even bother us, you know, hashtagging it if you don't want to. Yeah, other than maybe family, but yeah, let us let us see the people who you love and and the people who love you. But uh, Simon is hashtag tension. 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 Okay. Uh, Photographer of the week, which I can't believe we haven't used this guy. Um, Robert Park Harrison, who works with his wife, Shana. Shana? A-N-A. Huh. I have seen this work before. We we haven't used this? I did a search through and I didn't see it. Huh. Yeah, it's got a little bit of the, uh, oh God, what's his name? Rodney, oh, he just died last year. Rodney, 
Yeah, what is that guy's name? Shoot. You know who I'm talking about? Yep, 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 yep. A little bit of that, a little bit of Alex Timmerman's, a um, little bit of Tim Walker. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, um, oh, I love that intermission picture. That's great. Yeah, so th- kind of okay. surreal, dreamy. Yeah, black and um, white surrealist kind of photography. Um, the color stuff's beautiful too. Thea- very theatrical. Yeah, very- I think the color stuff is recent. Um, yeah, it feels, and it's like, and, and almost all of it's like somewhat out of focus. There's lots of, you know, focus tricks going, going in and out of yeah, play. I wonder if they're doing like a, like a lens baby or a tilt shift kind of thing, or is this, is the fo- defocusing even done in post or a lot of stuff in post? Yeah. 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 But I mean, some of this stuff is a mi- precipice. Is that the one you said? Which one did you say that you like intermission in, in, in that, in that body of work in precipice? Go down to the second to the last one. Second to the last one. Oh, oh on the, yeah, yeah, on the yeah, beach. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, gosh, stuff? yeah. There's some good stuff. Very similar, to like Lori Verba. There's some stuff in there. Like, yeah, yeah reminds yeah. me of her stuff. But go, go look at, uh, go to the bodies of work and go, go look at the first one, uh, Gutierrez Dream. Yep. Just this strange. I mean, and apparently he is the subject in most of these images. Like the bald guy, that's him. Huh. And then the, the woman with the, the long hair, is that her? Could very well be his wife. I don't know for sure, but I, I read somewhere that he usually is his own. Interesting. I wonder, are they, are, are they building all their own props? Yeah. Cause this stuff is like, a lot of it's really weird. Like yeah. almost like this to me, this is over the line into photo illustration to me. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah. these feel constructed in a way. Look at, the, okay. Oh, oh, go look at counterpoint. And look at the first image of like the trees growing out of his arm. Oh, wow. I don't like that at all. No, wow. no, 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 no. Interesting. Oh, God. Summer arm is even freakier. Yeah. Interesting. See, yeah. That, that kind of stuff messes with me. That, that, well, that gets back into that, uh, the, the, the skin kind of irritation. What do you call those? Skin irritation? The, the, yeah. The little, like the, you you've talked about it before, uh, like that you have a problem with oh, like the crypto, things. the the holes. That's the thing. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. No, don't like holes. Um, tryptophobia, I think it is called. Right. Um, but yeah, this guy's definitely like going out there and and showing off some stuff. That's even if you go look at Architect's brother and you look at early works. Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff feels like early 20th century surrealistic stuff, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Some like, like Man Ray kind of experimentation yeah, going on. Yeah, because like the yeah. weird like uh, cones in his ear yelling into things. Like all of this stuff feels very of that age. Yeah. Well um, done. Yeah, really well done. Yeah. So uh, Robert and Shana Park oh, Harrison. Promised Land, also in Architect's Brother. Let me see. Promised land. There's a ton of stuff in here. The images yeah. are not that big, but yeah, definitely a, a an Alex Timmerman's feel. You know uh, the the wet plate yep. guy from yeah, yeah, from yeah. Uh, I think Netherlands. Is that where Alex is from? This stuff is just so weird. This is the kind of stuff I just don't. I just don't. My brain doesn't work like this. You know. Oh, it's beautiful. Look at that. Yeah, this is beautiful work. Okay, so so a lot of black and white. A lot of toned. Um, seriously toned uh, stuff, yeah. Approaching kind of, kind of, uh, ambrotype or, or wet plate yep. or, I mean, a lot of w- what looks to be, as Bill said, vintage photography. 
but yes. done really well where it 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 like some of these things could pass for vintage you know 100 year old photographs rather than just trying to look that way yep 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 absolutely ooh creepy <laughs> oh okay go to uh all right where am yeah, i going now yeah architect's brother yeah um wait where was i just at Uh, man, I just, I just lost it. Cause I backed up sentinels, sentinels. Let's go yeah. Down. Just flip through that. There's some freaky stuff in there. Oh, lots of people. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Robert and Shana Park Harrison. So what's, what's their deal statement? Uh, we create works in response to the ever bleakening relationship linking humans, technology and nature. These works feature an ambiguous narrative that offers insight into the dilemma posed by science and technology's failed promise to fix our problems, provide explanations, and furnish certainty pertaining to the human condition. Strange scenes of hybridizing forces, swarming elements, and bleeding over abundance portray nature unleashed by technology in the human hand. Rich colors and surrealistic imagery merge to reveal poetic roots of the works on display. The use of color is intentional but abstract. Proportion and space are compositional rather than natural. Movement is blurred, objects and people juxtaposed as if by chance in a visual improvisation that unfolds choreo choreographically. <laughs> I know that one. But it's just... Anyway. One at once formally arresting and immeasurably loaded with sensations, the work attempts to provide powerful impact visually and viscerally. I think this could have been cut down by half. Yeah, sure. Oh, these, yeah, some of these pictures, like these are the kind of things that will show up in my dreams and not in a good way. Yeah. Um, this, this is a, the world that these pictures inhabit is a world that is terrifying to me. Like this sort of surreal stuff doesn't make me feel good. But what do I know? Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, podcast. I mean, what does that? I, what does what? that mean? Choreographically? What does that even? I don't know. Don't don't try to explain it. It's our school pretense talk. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to go all the way there. I just I don't quite understand the metaphor of of. <laughs> anyway. It's okay. a dance, good, Jeffrey. Good work. Good work. Uh, beautiful work. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, 347-687-9411. can leave us a voicemail like a few of you did this week. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com sends us an email that goes to both Jeffrey and I, with, like some of you did this week. And uh, go check us out on Instagram and Twitter, at Bill Wadman, at Jeffrey Sidoris, at Wadman365, and pretty soon Jeffrey's book. But we'll let you know when that actually hits. Hey, you know, what? speaking of Instagram, do you know, we, we've talked about uh, 1924.us? Uh, yes, we have. So uh, Christian has decided to leave Instagram. Okay. And I, I wanted to talk about that next time um, because his, this guy's got like 600,000 followers and he, he had kind of an epiphany uh the, uh, over something that he's really been working through for the last little while and decided that the best way forward for him is to leave Instagram entirely. Which is interesting because that's probably by far his biggest audience. 
Uh, probably. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I just thought it might be, it might be interesting to talk about that when, when somebody who has, has kind of received the juice from social media has gotten, you know, uh, has amassed. I got what I want out of it. A large following and then decides that maybe this isn't the right brass ring to be chasing. Yeah, or comes back when they regret the fact that only 6% of the people are now seeing their stuff that they're putting out, you know. Well, and, and there's some of that too. So let's 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 put sure. that in and, and talk about it next time and see what yeah. we come up with. It uh, might be fun. Sure, I will put it on the notes for next week. Uh, 1924.us. Uh, anything else? Um, no, I think right. I'm good. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Go take some pictures. All right, see ya. Thanks for listening, everyone. Going on and on the way Say will leave me out